0: Hello and welcome to the Fit to Transform podcast, where you learn how to train and diet effectively and, most importantly, how to maintain those results for life, once and for all. I'm Nikias Tomasiello, a transgender training and nutrition coach working online with anyone who's ready for a true lifestyle transformation, anywhere they may be in the world. As a friendly reminder... Any and all information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult with your doctor before implementing any changes to your diet and exercise program. With that disclaimer out of the way, thank you for being here. Now, grab yourself a cup of tea or pre-workouts and enjoy. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. Today, 3DMJ head coach and pro natural bodybuilder Jeff Alberts joins me to share his own story and how he's been able to stay consistent with training for over 36 years. I think this interview is going to be invaluable if you want to make a true lifestyle change. So thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello Jeff and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. It's an honor. Yeah, same. I'm, I really appreciate you taking the time for this. And I think it's going to be really valuable for the listeners because the topic I want to cover today is how to stay consistent. I think this is one of the major problems that most people have with fitness. And you have been consistent with your own training and nutrition, I believe for 36 years, if I'm not wrong, and which is incredible. <laughs> Yes,
1: this is my 37th year. And uh, yeah, I would say 99% of the time it's been pretty consistent. But like anybody else, you know, I've struggled, you know, time to time with that. So I'm sure we can dive into it.
0: Well, I think that's why it's going to be valuable because I'm thinking at first I'd like to cover your personal story. So where things started for you, how your motivations might have changed over the years, how you adapted to be able to stay consistent and then we'll get into some uh, ways that you now help your athletes do that. But mm-hmm. to get all of the listeners up to speed, first I'd like to know or I'd like you to tell the listeners who you are, what you do, and why you're so awesome at it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm awesome, but yeah we'll see.
1: No, yeah, let's, let's see. My name's Jeff Alberts. I've been bodybuilding since competitively since the early nineties. I started training in nineteen eighty six actually. That was when I got into it, um, and now currently I've been coaching for the last twelve or thirteen years. Uh, but when it where I first started was, uh, you know, that old plastic, you know, weight filled cement set that uh, you know you see like a lot of the old timers use. So that was me, you know, back in nineteen eighty six, in my bedroom every day after school. And I think the main reason why I got into it was more of a an escape. From you know, real life, home life, because uh, home life was a little bit uh, you know sketchy at times. So it was kind of just me kind of escaping that, and you know, just getting some energy out. And you know, in that process, you start to see some things happening. Like I made some visual changes. Like, where are these little muscles popping up? So that was kind of cool. Um, and then as I got into high school, um, I just stayed lifting. Uh, our our physical education department. Uh, actually, you're able to select what you wanted to do. Like from your sophomore to your senior year, you can, if you wanted to play basketball or if you wanted to do badminton or whatever the case may be, you could kind of select it every six weeks. Well, the PE teachers, they knew I loved weight training. So they allowed me to keep selecting weight training every <laughs> six weeks, every six weeks, every six weeks. So I just had a passion for it. Um, I love the way it made me feel, I like how my body was changing. And uh, again, it was kind of like a nice little escape. Uh, but as the years kind of rolled on, then the motivations kind of changed, shifted, like you kind of mentioned earlier, um, and it went from like an escape to now like, oh, I'm actually trying to get bigger muscles. Like that was kind of more of the priority. Um, yeah. And then in the early 90s, um, I got into competition. And my ex-wife is the one that uh, encouraged me to do that. And I, I'm an introvert by nature. So, getting on a stage in you know little underwear that wasn't really appealing to me. I was like, oh, "I'm not that's crazy. I'm not getting up there that doing that, but you know she's like, "You can do it and she pushed me to do it, getting out of a comfort zone and Once I did that first show, I just loved the i guess the thrill of it you know just being able to express the hard work and showcase to everybody what you're you're working so hard for um and then the motivation kind of shifted from that to now I want to try to beat everybody because I am competitive. <laughs> so like, I want to beat everybody. I want to get notoriety. I want to win some shows. Um, and, and that actually, um, that was kind of a bad thing in a way because um, I just got really obsessed with that. And I kind of lost the enjoyment of it. So in a sense, there was a kind of a little bit of a darker period once I get into, mm. got into my early 30s with that. Um, And it took me another seven, eight years to kind of get back to like just lifting and doing this competition thing for fun. Uh, So it's kind of gone in different waves as far as the motivation. I mean, I probably talked for days on it because I've been doing it for so long. But that's in a nutshell kind of how I where I got my start and a little bit of how things have kind of shifted.
0: That's a, very, that's a great summary, and I think I'm going to um, start from the beginning and then explore a bit more of uh, certain parts of the story. Yeah, that's there's a lot to
1: explore there. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah. indeed.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned that um, you said, as, you, as I got into high school, so you actually started lifting before you were even in high school. Mm-hmm. I was in middle school. I was in eighth grade.
1: Um, I was 14, 14, 14 and a half, somewhere in there. You were very young. I was young. I was an athletic kid. So I mm-hmm. didn't it's not like I was like heavy set and got into lifting to lose weight or anything like that. I was more like uh just athletic. I wasn't heavily muscled. I was mm-hmm. defined. Um but yeah, I started like fourteen and then as I got into high school, like my first two, two and a half years of lifting, I made quite a bit of gains. Mm -hmm. Uh, like now when I show pictures, like when I was 17, I had the mullet, of course, you know, back in the eighties, you had to have the mullet. I had just the mustache and, you know, people were, you know, they now see those photos like, man, you're kind of like a man child just because I was pretty (laughs) developed at a younger age. So I think part of it is maybe a genetic factor, but Mm -hmm. I was a hard worker, like out the, like I didn't know much about training and nutrition. I knew how to work hard though. So like often my training was like pretty much close to failure on every, on every set. And strength wise, I was actually like my bench press, the most I've ever done in my whole career was in high school. So I was actually just a combination of like, okay, maybe good genetics, but also the work ethic to go along with it. And that's why I have seen some pretty good results in the early stages. And that's motivating. You know, when you see progress, a lot of times, like, that's how I kind of think of, like, motivation. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to get motivated because we're kind of asking, like, how we stay consistent. You know, my motivation is not always high. Like, you know, I think it was last Monday I posted on Instagram, like, I'm not motivated. I was Yeah, tired, I remember that. But I'm committed. So, of course, you know, I'm going to put the work in because I'm committed. But when you do put the work in, and, of course, if it's really good work and it's smart work, you're going to see a result from it. You're gonna see progress. And when you see progress, of course, you're gonna be motivated, right? Yeah, definitely. So it's like, I see progress. Okay, so I know the work, it's working. So let me continue to put that work in. So that's, in a sense, like something to kind of think about. It's not always like having motivation 24 7, it's just having an understanding like you have to be committed, whether you are motivated or you're not committed or motivated rather, you want to continue to try to put that
0: work in regardless. That makes sense. But at some point you must have noticed that your gains were coming more and more slowly because it is a game of diminishing returns. And that's often where when I see a lot of people stop training because maybe they convince themselves that they've had their genetic ceiling in quotes and they can't possibly progress any further. Um, when that's not really the case. So at the time, if this happened to you, what what pushed you to continue uh, working on yourself, even though now progress was harder to come by? You know what the beauty of growing up in the non-internet
1: world is? You don't know what is, like, what's the ceiling. You have no idea because you can't really compare yourself to other people. You're just, in a sense, I was comparing myself to people in my gym. And that's all you really had exposure to. I mean, you might see magazines like, okay, you got the IFBB guys. But I also knew like, okay, I'm a natural bodybuilder. So I already knew like that world, like looking at, let's say, Dorian Yates, those type guys. I'm like, that's cool. It's inspiring. But I also know that's like, that's a different playing field. And I'm not mm-hmm. playing on that same field. So I didn't really look as as like that was my expectation. So I really didn't have like, okay, what is – what am I capable of? Well, let's find out. So it's just a matter of like I was always chasing progress. And you know, I think that's that's kind of part of the problem now. Like, I mean, you could go on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, and you can constantly just see a flood of people you're constantly comparing to. And you know, if you're not progressing at that same rate, then yeah, it can be frustrating, can be demotivating. But if you look at those people and say, okay. I'm going to use them as inspiration, but I'm not going to, in a sense, expect to look like them because everybody has their own canvas, you know, because your progress might look much different than my progress. But if you're 1% and my 1%, it's equal from that perspective, but it might look like maybe I'm making more than you, even though we're both hitting 1%. So, it's like, that's how I try to kind of frame myself now, like, because I'm still competing. Still prepping. I don't look at other bodybuilders too often to try to
0: compare myself to because I just know that's that's usually not going to lead me to a good road mentally. That makes sense. So now in the internet era, um, for somebody who struggles with uh, comparison, you would say, put your head down and do the work, and only compare yourself to yourself. Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, if you think about like we everybody has their own canvas to paint yes. on, like, because everybody's different genetically, our rate of progress is probably not going to look the same, um, our environments aren't going to look the same, like, your home life, my home life's completely different, you know, our jobs, whatever, like, all these outside factors play a role in, you know, how we're going to go about, you know, our approach to the sport, so I kind of just look at it like, okay, you got your canvas with some paintbrush and some paints, paint your, your best picture. And you might look at it and go, you know, it needs a lot more work. And I'll look at it and go, man, that looks pretty awesome, man. It's a good job. So, and and when you're on stage too, like as a competitive bodybuilder, like you have no control over the athletes around you. You can't control how they train, how they eat or whatever. You can't punch them in the face and, and try to win. <laughs> I mean, you could, but I mean, you might get, uh, you know, taken off the stage in handcuffs for doing that. But you know you can't c- control the judges either. It's more like, it's more like the way I look at it. It's more like a show. It's like an art show. Like that's why when I com- compete, I'm thinking, okay, let me fulfill my potential. Let me just paint my own canvas, and now I'm going to go show everybody the work that I, I did. And if I happen to get a good placing, that's just kind of like an extra bonus. There, it's like icing on the cake. But look at it this way. Like let's say you prep for six months you try to get this awesome physique and you get on stage and you're awesome and you come in dead last right and let's say the following week you go to another show and you come in first mm-hmm. so but you look the same so that, so are you going to basically let a panel of judges really dictate what your success is so the way i kind of see is that i fulfill my potential regardless. I've already won before I go on stage. You know, I'm human. No one wants to come in last place. It doesn't feel good to come in last place. Uh, But I mean, if you kind of see past that, you kind of realize, okay, you know, I brought my best. There's nothing else I can do. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's that's what I define as success.
0: Yeah, agreed. Uh, I think that's a very wisely put. Now, when you you said that at some point your motivation shifted from es- escapism to wanting to build more muscle, and then eventually your ex-wife even got you into competing in bodybuilding, although she um, persuaded you, there must have been something that suggested to you well actually i do want to try it as you said you're an introvert so that felt like really out of left field for you yeah. I, I would imagine yeah. so what made you think oh i want to step on stage and uh i want to take my pursuit of muscle growth to a competitive level like that yeah i was like
1: really hesitant about getting on stage like i said but she really kind of just pushed me she's like okay you you got it in a sense Try. You got to get out of like just being comfortable, get out of the comfort zone and just see how and experience it and see if you actually like it or not. Uh, I don't know. She basically, fast forward now, she's probably like, man, I wish I would have never encouraged him to do bodybuilding because it did lead me to a little bit of a set obsession because that first show I did, although it wasn't a great experience from the standpoint, like I didn't look all that great, I didn't place all that great just because I didn't know how to prepare for shows. I was kind of like just jumping into the fire. Like I had no nutritional um, you know, experience as far as dieting uh, the training and all that. I mean, of course it could have been better. So it's just like a, a, it was only a six week prep to, you know, I didn't really know how long to prep for. So I basically crashed dieted into this thing. So six weeks I lost 30 pounds, which is a tremendous amount of weight to lose in a short period of time. And although it wasn't ideal, what I learned was I know how to grind. Like I know Mm. how to push myself and cross that finish line. And just that feeling of accomplishment of doing that and going through that, you kind of say I got addicted to that.
0: Mm, I see.
1: And, And it was like competing against some of those guys, even though I didn't play super well, I was kind of like, okay, kind of middle of the pack here. And I was like, okay, I can probably get better. You know, maybe if I improve some things, I can get better and maybe move up. And again, I'm a competitive person. So, you know, growing up as a kid, I did play some competitive sports. So in a sense, that kind of, you know, filled that void of not, you know, playing football or basketball or what have you. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it kind of just, just, you know, over time, I just kept trying to improve myself. And eventually it it led to, okay, not just myself, I want to actually beat people. And again, that was like probably not the best mentality to have because when you don't win, it's almost like a big disappointment. Like it mm-hmm. clouded my ability to see the, the other successes that I that I got from, you know, competitive bodybuilding as far as like the actual physique. Like I actually, like every time I got on stage, obviously that was like one of the better physiques I ever had up to that point. So I was progressively getting better, but I was being it was being clouded because on some shows I wasn't getting the external resort result that I was, you know, wanting. Okay. I didn't win that show. Shit. I failed. And it was like a disappointment. Um, Of course I would turn that disappointment into a little bit more fire and train harder and come back, try to come back better. But you know, it, it just, it snowballed to a point where in 2002, I was trying to get a pro card and that prep was extremely perfect. Like I'm telling you, like I didn't cheat on my diet. All mm. my cardio sessions went. Hey, I think I missed one cardio session because I went to a an NBA basketball game. So I don't regret that. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, just it was a perfect prep from from an execution standpoint, and it was the best physique I ever put on stage. Mm-hmm. And I didn't win. Got second place, and I was so depressed after that. I felt like, okay, why am I doing this? What's the point of this if I'm just going to get second place? And I didn't see the value of like, hey, that was a pretty damn good physique I put on stage. And, you know, all that work ethic and all that, I didn't see any of that. I just saw failure. So I actually got depressed for a couple of years around bodybuilding. Didn't even want to do it anymore as far as like competing. Still trained, but didn't have the same passion or fire around it. Uh, So it took a few years to kind of get myself out of that mentality and kind of, you know, approach it from more of a, the reason that I train in the first place is because I like the way it feels. I love it. So it's turned, I just basically, in a sense, channeled the love of process more so than like the result of it. Especially like you mentioned, like the deeper you get into this and the longer you train, your gains are, they're going to slow. And even at some point, they're probably you're probably will hit a ceiling where you're not going to progress anymore. But what's going to keep you going? If you're just focused on the result and the progress, and you're you're disappointed all the time, like you're you're going to be like, screw this, I'm not going to train anymore. Then what's yeah. the downside of that? Like, okay, now your physique kind of takes a backslide. You might get even more sad and disappointed because you're seeing your physique decline. But also just the fact that you're in there exercising and moving, like mentally, that's that's something that's a positive in a lot of people's life is just being able to to do any type of training it makes them feel good mentally so you know that's what i've learned like okay it's more about love of process than it is that's the results and that's what keeps me going in year number 37
0: yeah the way i think about your story and um i um compare it to somebody who's not a competitor would be if somebody instead of really wanting to win a bodybuilding competition and so seeking that external validation or results, they really wanted to hit a certain number on the scale. So they had this fantastic diet where they were extremely consistent, trained every day, stuck to their um, nutritional approach without, as you said, cheating and they learned that they are they able to grind even through the most difficult times, that they can stay that disciplined, And then eventually they end the diets, but they're two pounds off of the weight that they had in their heads. And all of a sudden this was for nothing. And they just stop training and eating well altogether because they're like, well, I didn't hit 140 pounds. It was 142. So what's the point now, right?
1: It's not rational thinking when you think about it because you're in the moment like you're getting caught up in an emotion you're seeing it as like it's a failure cuz you didn't hit this arbitrary number but if you take a big step back and you go okay what are the things i did well what mm-hmm. are the things that i can maybe improve upon so you kind of you know if you take a moment like whether it's a week two weeks a month even just to kind of like just in a sense think about everything that transpired you know cuz usually time is 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 a good way to kind of see things a little bit more clear. Like, right in hindsight, you can see a lot of things in hindsight. It's more twenty twenty. So that's what I tend to do. Like, once I, if I set a goal, let's say it's a contest prep, and I, you know, go and get on stage. So after the season is over with, I don't like immediately like say this was a a success or a failure. I'll kind Mm -hmm. of just let time do its thing, and I'll think about it, you know, and I'll weigh it out. What were the pros? What were the cons? um, And try to, you know get clarity around those things you know, before I continue to move forward. So if this person is, let's say, going through a, diet, a dieting phase and they, they are two pounds off the mark, let's say, there's probably a lot of positives there. Like they probably did lose a decent amount of weight. They probably visually improved the way they looked. They probably learned a lot more about the actual process that they're going through. And they learn, in a sense, how they tick you know mm-hmm. as a person. And a lot of it can transcend not just in the fitness realm but what you learn through the fitness realm you can apply to other facets of life whether it's like hey I'm trying to get this promotion at work or what have you or even relationships like okay maybe what you learn through that process like okay maybe I can treat my better half you know a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of things to take away from it but oftentimes we just get so blinded and obsessed on a goal or number like arbitrary numbers. Like, I don't think that's a, a good way to look at it. Agreed. I good. I think it's good to just, like I say, you just kind of take some time and, and really think about the pros and cons of things and weigh it out. And like I said, the pros, you're like, okay, let's rinse and repeat that. Right. And the cons like, okay, but well, how do we make that intro pro? Like, you know, maybe we need to change the approach to dieting. You know, maybe I need to eat more protein or whatever the case may be. You know, you just, you start tweaking things. Okay, let me make some changes. Experience it again. Again, weigh out the pros and cons. And that's how you just keep evolving over time. Like even like in year number 37 now, I'm not perfect. I still don't know myself 100%. I definitely know myself a lot better than I did in year number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, there's a reason why, you know, I made it to year number 37. It's not having that mentality of like, okay, it's black or white. Like there's a lot of shades of gray in there.
0: Yeah, I think this is very valuable um, for anyone trying to be consistent, where it's what we've been, we, you've been saying, falling in love with the process is so important. And not thinking of it in terms of you're a success or you're a failure because you did this one diet or you completed this training program, but more so it's a continuous work in progress. And it's about getting a little bit better. And failing, in quotes, is part of the learning process. We don't learn by being perfect from the get-go. We'll learn by making mistakes and doing better, overcoming those mistakes in the future.
1: Yeah, well, everybody wants, wants the answers up front. That's part of the problem. Like, a lot of people don't want to actually run a little trial and error. They're afraid of failure. Of course, we don't get hurt, obviously. But I mean... Failure is like in my in a sense been my greatest teacher. You know, yeah, like I can read a book like three times and go, okay, the book is telling me this. Like, okay, I know I, I gotta do it exactly as the book is saying. Chances are you're probably not gonna be able to do it exactly as the book is saying because we're all of us have our, you know, lives to kind of navigate through. So it's like I've kind of learned like, okay, embrace the unknown and it's okay if you make a mistake, because chances are, you know, you can learn from it. But you have to be willing to pay attention to it, though. And not, in a sense, ignore it if it's a failure. Yeah, so not or, sweep it under the rug. Yeah, yeah. Because or we just continue to do the same things over and over and over again because we're stubborn, or what have you.
0: So. Yeah, that's true. So you've mentioned that uh, you got a little bit burnt out from being too focused on competition. But even then you were able to continue training. So I think it would be interesting to explore a time when you actually found yourself not being able to train consistently, how that happened and how you overcame that time. So the biggest
1: gap I've had, I think I could take you to two different eras here. So the biggest gap I had was four months of no training at all. Um, And that was right before uh, my son was born. And, I was changing households, so basically, um, I was moving into with my now wife. So I was like, okay, I need to make sure that I'm prioritizing the family, get all you know our structure down, and, our day to day life, make sure that's in order. So I was like, well, let me put the training on the back burner, so I can be the good dad, right? The good dad, the good husband. Well. It was the worst body composition I ever had as an adult. Like I basically let go of not just training, but also let go of my diet. I got a little bit lazy with that. It's like, okay, now I'm eating fast foods, just on the go, that type of thing. And I probably gained about 20 pounds Mm -hmm. and I wasn't training. So I actually atrophied. So I lost muscle through that process and actually got a little bit depressed. I was like, oh gosh, like I let myself go. This wasn't a good thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that was like one then i was like in may let's see i was like 40 years old at the time Mm -hmm. so i was like okay i need to get back into training so i got back into training didn't go on a diet though i'm like i'm just going to continue to eat enough to support that training and then took about a month to kind of recoup some of that lost tissue so what i kind of learned through that process even though it was a failure right like here's a failure story right like okay that was a fail Mm -hmm. but what i learned was like Okay, if I miss a week of training or I miss a training day or two, like nothing bad is going to happen. But when you miss like four months or, you know, a month, two months, three months, you're likely going to see regression. You're going to know what true regression looks like and true atrophy. So in a sense, that kind of just cures a little bit of insecurity around like some missed training sessions here to there because mm-hmm. we are talking about consistency so is it yeah consistency on a micro scale or consistency on a bigger scale so on a micro scale it's like okay if you miss a session too no big deal it's like a needle in a haystack you're not going to like lose muscle or anything like that so that kind of taught me that taught me to kind of relax a little bit you know with with that uh, perspective um it also taught me too like training is super important in my life
0: mm.
1: And I remember Eric Helms calling me out like, Jeff, you mean you tell me you don't have enough time to train like once a week? Because if you think about it, like even if I did, let's say, one training session per week, it was full body and there was enough intensity there, like I probably would have maintained muscle mm-hmm. the entire way through. So there was an, another thing. It was like, okay, I took it to extreme, right? Like I was an extreme bodybuilder before. And I was like, okay, now I'm trying to be this extreme husband and, and dad. It's like, no, I need to be more balanced. Yeah, I need to be in the middle. So I, I, that taught me a little bit more about being balanced. Now, if I take you back into my 20s, I had come off three competitive seasons back to back to back. I got burned out. I was so fatigued, like physically, mm. mentally, emotionally. It's probably the most fatigued I've ever been through my competitive career because it was just three seasons in a row and I was dieting hella hard. Like the first season, like I said, I crash dieted. Came back, did it again, dieted a little better, a little longer the second time, got a little bit better the third time, but just a three-year stretch where it was just go, go, go. And I was burnt out. So I did take a competitive layoff. Um, so basically 96-7, I didn't um, compete at all. Downsized mm-hmm. my training. I was only training like three days a week, two days a week. And I was playing a lot of basketball and a lot of tennis. I was actually playing more basketball and tennis than I was weight training. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Like it was a it was a good way to kind of get away from it. And now in hindsight, looking at it, it's like I think in order to sustain or to have that consistency, I think it's important not to just be so entrenched In just one aspect of the sport or fitness, it's like you need moments where you need to kind of escape a little bit and do other things. So, you know, having a good two year break away from like just being so hyper focused on bodybuilding gains competition, um, it helped out a lot. So I've learned through that, like I need to basically, again, kind of be in that middle ground area, not to be extreme one way or the other. So balance is super important from a physical perspective, mental and emotional perspective as well if you want to be like consistent mm-hmm. for a
0: long period of time. Yeah, I agree with that. I think what you said about your first story how um you were basically Oh no, I lost my train of thought. Oh, come on. No. <laughs> when I had the the 4 month layoff. Yes, the, so the birth of my son, yeah. Exactly. The point I'm trying to make is that um what you said about focusing on the macro level is really key because there are so many people who miss a training session and they're like i ruined everything and then they go four weeks without training because of that one missed session or if they're dieting they have uh, one meal that doesn't go to plan and all of a sudden they don't look at their diets they don't care about their diet for an entire month it's not really that one meal or that one workout that was the problem is the fact that it snowballed into a long period of time where you didn't do, you do do, due diligence, essentially. But people don't realize that they feel bad in the moment, like we were saying before, and they don't take a step back and think, okay, but if I let this moment snowball into a month, that's going to be much worse than just get up tomorrow morning and keep going
1: yeah it's the it's the acute mindset against like, like you're kind of just feeding off of that that emotion in the moment, and it's usually an emotion that's not it's not in the right mindset right like not frame frame of mind is just off so that's why like again I'm like, okay, if I skip a training session or I miss one or I screw up on my diet, I kind of just take a big step back and I think, okay. let me look at this from more of, like you said, a macro scale, like over the last okay, I had one bad meal here, blew my diet, I just ate a large pizza. It's like, okay, yeah, you're way over your calories, you feel bloated, you feel guilty, like all these things kind of spiral through your head, right? So if you take a big step back and go, okay, this was one meal out of, let's say there's like seven days in a week, right? And if you eat, let's say four meals per day, let's say that's what the average is that's 28 meals. So you're talking one meal out of 28 where you screwed up. I don't know what the percentage is on that, but it's in the 90s, right? Yeah. <laughs> and if you, if you take it even further and go, well, the past month I've been doing really well and I've only had one screw up. So now it's like 28 meals times four weeks, whatever that math is, about 112 or whatever it is. Like, okay, now I'm like really up there in the 90s. I'm like closer to hundred percent. So it's like, okay, you, you progressed really well, you know, over the last month, but you're letting this one moment where you're human, right? Where it's like, okay, you're not going to be 100% perfect all the time. Everybody has their breaking points. You know, some people break early. Some people break late. Everybody does, though, at some point. And it's like, okay, for the last month, I did pretty good. I'm at 99%. So let me just get back on the horse and keep going. Yep. And if anything, like, I mean, if we can make talk around this, so let's say you have a, you've been dieting for a month, you have a pizza, now you've got all this surplus of calories. What do you think your training is going to do? You're probably going to be like, holy crap, I'm like hitting some PRs now. Your recovery is probably a lot better. Your overall mood, if you think about it, you're, you're kind of in a bad mood because you felt like you cheated, but from a physical standpoint, you're probably full of energy. That's true. So there's a lot of positives. Like I said, you take the big step back, you weigh out the pros and cons, and you're like, okay, the cons that I thought were cons really could be actually pros from this other perspective. So it's just in a sense like not a like being aware of your emotions and not allowing those acute, unguided emotions dictate your decision-making, which is yeah. hard to do. It takes practice, but that's in a sense what I've learned to do
0: over the years. That makes sense. As for the second story, what I think is very valuable is that you um, didn't make bodybuilding into your whole identity, which is something that a trap that one could fall into, where they tell themselves, I'm the person who lifts weights. And if you're in a season of your life where you don't enjoy it as much and you need to take a step back, but you don't allow yourself to, you end up falling out of love with fitness as a whole sometimes for a long period of time simply because you wanted to play basketball but you didn't let yourself play basketball because you're a bodybuilder
1: yeah i think it's important that you don't like i said just get too ingrained obsessed with it because yeah you're gonna end up not just maybe physically fizzling out but just the mental and emotional like it takes a lot of energy to have that type of hyper focus Mm -hmm. So oftentimes as, you know, competitive bodybuilder, especially as a competitive bodybuilding coach, you know, I don't encourage my athletes to compete every single year, you know, Hey, let's take, you know, two years off or even three years off. Yes. You need time to physically improve. Like, okay, we need to gain muscle. You need to be in a good environment for that, eating enough food, getting good recovery, that type of thing. But the mental, like your mental state, like you need time to like, not be so hyper-focused and not to mention like what we go through as competitive athletes people around us probably you know feel it more than ourselves like your better half mm-hmm. you know your, your your family around you your friends you know it's like hey why aren't you going out to eat with us anymore that type of thing it's like so sometimes you just need a break to just be human again yeah so to me like my off seasons are just as valuable as actually you know the 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 in season or the 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 con- competition perhaps
0: because you can be more flexible and take on different identities mm-hmm. and yeah that makes a lot of sense
1: yeah because I don't want to be like hey I'm Jeff the bodybuilder I want to be like hey I'm Jeff and I bodybuild you
0: know, mm-hmm. there's a
1: difference there
0: so especially what's... now
1: as a as being a dad and a husband like you know if I was the same guy I was in my twenties now I probably would be in divorce court
0: <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. So it's uh, so essentially, although it might seem counterintuitive, it seems like what you're saying is that one of the keys to consistency is not to be over super obsessive about it. Like many people might think, well, but if I'm not always super focused on it, then I'm not consistent enough. Whereas if you allow yourself to be human, it's easier to be consistent because you don't grow to... Uh, this to um, despise uh, the parts of the process that are too hard to get through.
1: What if you're like super hyper focused on it, right? Like let's say you got a you're you're doing a five day training split. You never miss. You're doing five days a week, five days a week, five days a week. You're getting and you're like, okay, I'm gonna ramp my volume up. So now you're like, your gym time goes from like an hour in week one, and then in week number five of the mesocycle, now you're in there for two hours or two and a half hours. But then at home, you're not as present. You're mm-hmm. like spending more time at the gym. Maybe you're you're more tired because you're training a lot more. So you're not in a sense like 100% human at home, right? Like you're not present. Yeah. And people around you you know, could be feeling that impact. So there could be some issues there where it's like, okay, you're not being a consistent human. Like, yeah, you're a consistent bodybuilder, but you're not being a consistent human. So how is that going to impact your overall stress levels? Is that going to impact your gains in the gym? Yeah. So again, it's like you need to like not just think of consistency from like, hey, I'm trying to maximize my bodybuilding gains or my fitness gains. But you want to try to maximize like the gains outside of the gym. Because trust me, when things are going well at home and work life and all that, usually the gym feels pretty good. And when your gym yeah, is feeling true. good, then you feel good, right? So when you feel good, you're, that energy is going to go towards everybody around you. When you're out of the gym, so there needs to be like a, a nice balance with that. So as a coach, that's something that I try to, you know, set people up with. Like when I'm programming, it's not just like the X's and O's of like, okay, research and science says this is the most optimal way of doing things. I think mm-hmm. of like, hey, okay, what's this person's like life context? You know how they how's their day to day, so let's let's try to program bodybuilding around that and not so much the other way around.
0: It's a lot easier to be consistent when uh, fitness is actually part of your lifestyle. It's not uh, you're not trying to mold your lifestyle around fitness; you're molding fitness around your lifestyle.
1: Anytime fitness or bodybuilding becomes more of a stress in your life, that means mm-hmm. approach needs to change.
0: That's true. Yeah. Okay. so you've been as we were saying, as we've been saying, you've been training for such a long time now and your motivations have changed over the years. And we left off in your story where you said that you um, basically became too focused on competition and you got a bit burnt out. How did you recover the love for bodybuilding and what keeps you going now that you're 37? Well, this is your 37th year working on yourself and being a competitive bodybuilder.
1: Yeah. So back when in my 20s, when I got burnt out, it was like I said, like a two or three year stretch where I was like more tennis, more basketball. So it was mm-hmm. enough time to, for me to be removed. Okay. From that bodybuilding environment, where I started to get the motivation started coming back and the desire to get back into it. Mm. Whereas the previous three years, it was back to back to back. It was like, ah, I just right. got, like think of it like you know your battery. You're winding your battery down. You need time to charge it back up. Yeah, uh, and usually it's time away from something, right? You get rec- even from the gym, right? Like you train, you get fatigued. I need a rest day. So it's yeah that that's the micro scale. The macro scale is like I needed a couple of years away from it, and that's what I've learned. Like going through my 40s, now into my 50s, like as far as competition, I know I can't do this every single year. It's just it's just way too much. It's not enough time for me to kind of get those batteries charged back up. So the last time I actually got on stage was 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the pandemic, I mean, you know, that threw a little bit of a wrench in it, but you know, now I'm in a, I'm in a point now where like, I feel like enough battery to, to get after it and compete again. But I mean, competition is extreme, like, cause you're taking your body fat levels to extreme places and it does like wear on you. Like physically it's rough, but mentally, emotionally, it's also rough. So it does take time to kind of get those batteries, you know, charged back up. But I'm getting to a point now where it's like, I've done so much like the, again, I've been competing since the early nineties that I'm probably going to make this the last year of competition. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is just the fact that I've, I have accomplished a lot. You know, I've, I've gotten to elite status as far as like, you know, play scenes and shows. And, you know, obviously when you get that high in placings and shows, the, phys- the physique's going to resemble that. So I feel like mm-hmm. I've, you know, in a sense probably fulfilled, you know, if not all, like most of my potential and, you know, I can kind of, you know, end it, you know, knowing like, okay, you know, I did everything I could to fulfill my potential. I had fun with it and I can move on with other things in life. So you can say the battery life's getting a little bit on the low, like, you know, batteries, like you can charge them up so many times, but eventually that battery kind of just dies out. So we're, we're coming to the end of that. So this season now I'm just more so just trying to enjoy the process, the journey. Mm -hmm. the love of it and i'm not really stressing on like how i place or any of that and i'm still going to continue to train like i'll always you know lift weights and train with intent because oftentimes i'll get the question like why like if you know you're kind of at your ceiling or you know you're really close to it then why are you still lifting heavy like why are you still pushing yourself Mm -hmm. well if i don't what's going to happen i'm going to lose it yeah and i enjoy the physique that I have now. So all that work I put into this, the last 36 years, I don't want to just say, okay, I'm gonna let it go now. Like I yeah. want to hold on to it as long as possible. So in order to hold on to that, you got to keep, you know, creating stimulus. So I'm still gonna like train as if I'm trying to progress. I think once you start to lose that mentality, then yeah, you're gonna regress. And then okay, so what's the what's the opposite of that? Or What's going to happen to that? You're going to be like, okay, now I'm getting a little depressed. So I'm not ready to let go of the physique yet. I know father time will catch up. You know, it's inevitable. You know, it's not, no matter how hard I try, you know, I'm sure, you know, I'm going to start to look more like, okay, you're starting to look more your age.
0: Mm-hmm. But I'm not
1: ready to do that yet. And that's, I guess, the competitive fire in me still.
0: Fair enough. So, so, so that one,
1: right. Love and competitiveness. There's a little bit of balance there. Yeah.
0: That's true. Boom. And in are you always able to keep that long-term view Are there ever any times when you're when you're struggling to want to stay committed because you said well i don't want to lose the physique i have uh but are there other are there other ways that you keep yourself motivated do you think about uh lifting heavier in the gym setting performance goals or do you always manage to maintain this long-term perspective and always take a step back
1: I think my experience level helps with that, you know, because I, like I said, I've been doing this forever. So mm-hmm. it's almost like now it's like brushing my teeth. Like, it's just part of my day. Like, if it's mm-hmm. Monday, Wednesday, because right now I'm training three days a week. If it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like, it's just part of my day. I'm going to do it, you know, regardless of if I feel good or don't feel good. And a lot of times you've probably experienced this. You know, you, you, you feel tired. You're like, oh, I feel mm-hmm. tired. I don't feel like training today. But you do it anyway because yeah. you're like, okay, I don't yeah. want to miss. You go in there in the first set, you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? You're like, all of a sudden, you're like hitting more loads and more reps. You're like, I didn't think I was, I was going to happen. So often, like I kind of know that. Like, there's days where I just don't feel as motivated. I'm still going to get in there because chances are I might still perform pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really don't think about like regressing, you know what I mean? Or I don't get demotivated. I just have that will to just keep pushing, and I keep it simple too. Like I don't think I need to plan out like three muscle cycles, or you know, I need to map out the next three to six months of training and have everything set up ahead of time. Like, okay, I'll look at what did I do last week. Like if I'm doing a leg press, what did I do last week. Okay, I did five five sixty for three sets of eight. Well, let me do five seventy this week. Let's see if I can do that. If at the first set goes well and I hit it great, right? If it doesn't, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I don't have it today. So let me just lower the load down or lower the reps down for the next set or what have you. So I don't get injured. I'm still like, even though let's say the load is down, like it's still going to feel hard because my body's only capable of doing that current load. I'm still Mm going to take it to the appropriate proximity to failure to get a stimulus. My muscle doesn't know what the number is at the end of the bar knows the effort though so so i just know if like from a principle standpoint if my effort level is appropriate i'm not going to regress the only way i'm going to regress if it's let's say i'm dieting it's excessive i'm losing too much weight too quickly then yeah i'm going to be a little more susceptible to muscle loss and chances are if you're dieting appropriately whether you're gaining or you're losing if it's appropriate like as far as the rate of loss and the rate of gain you know, you're you're likely going to be performing just fine. So so, so again, it's the extremism, right? I'm dieting hella hard because I'm in a hurry to lose weight. Performance is more likely to tank out mm-hmm. than if it's like you're you're slowing things down, you're being conservative, and you're moderating it appropriately.
0: And often the extremism comes from um, the anxiety of getting results yesterday, know. whereas it sounds like you are very not anxious you're you're the least anxious person I've I've spoken to in a long time and it sounds like this comes from your experience. For you it's like brushing your teeth. Yeah. You know what to expect from brushing your teeth. Yeah, it's
1: it's like like it could like be not just with bodybuilding or fitness, like you can go to any profession and mm-hmm. you talk to somebody who's done it for like 35, 36 years, they're probably going to be very cool and very poised. Yeah, because they've seen so much. So I tend to look you know, through that type of lens because I could look back on all my experiences and you say, okay, if I, if I miss a training session, big deal. I'm not going to atrophy. I'm not going to lose strength. I'll be mm-hmm. fine. You know, if, if I can't lift 10 pounds heavier this week or five pounds heavier, or my, my load goes down 10 pounds, like acutely, it's not a big deal. Like I said, unless I'm doing something just really extreme, mm-hmm. uh, more on a macro scale, Like that's where, you know, I'm going to run into hot water. So oftentimes, like you said, in the moment when something, the perception, let's say, is something negative happens. Mm -hmm. It's our emotions in the moment that gets us all like the anxiety, like you talked about the insecurities, or just even like your over eagerness to progress. Because oftentimes when we're just starting out or even intermediate, we're not thinking on a macro scale. We're thinking more on a micro scale. Mm-hmm. I want to get. I want to get to where Jeff's at in two years. True. So it's like the over. It's not even a realistic expectation, probably, right? So it's like your over eagerness is probably making you do some things that you probably shouldn't be doing. So that's like I said. If you take that big step back and you kind of look, like, okay, weigh out these pros and cons look from these, the bigger picture perspective, you know, and embrace like that unknown, like, okay, yeah, you may not make as much progress maybe right now, but maybe five years from now, you're going to make a lot more progress because you're being more patient with your process in a sense.
0: Absolutely. So now that we're coming up on time, I just want to recap all of the pearls of wisdom that you gave during this interview about how to stay consistent. So it sounds like developing an appreciation for the process rather than external results or short-term results is one of the keys that you highlighted from the beginning. Um, Finding a balance between your different identities rather than putting all of your eggs in one basket and uh, not let your emotions Override your rationality and prevent you from looking at the bigger picture to where you end up taking an extreme route, where you end up per, far from the results that you would want to get, um, and instead try to take it more steadily and work on the long-term approach to the the results. Is will that be an accurate summary, or am I missing out on something that you want to impress upon the listeners? No,
1: I'm actually impressed that you kind of remembered and, and said that so well. I probably
0: would have oh, forgot if you asked me to recap that. I would have forgot. Oh, thank you well, very much. Uh, oh, that was really good. I've I already told Eric when I interviewed him. Uh, you you give the um, you know you give the long um, explanation, and I run through the cliff notes at the end.
1: <laughs> oh yeah 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 well yeah his brain's on another level that's for sure.
0: I think your brains are both on another level in different ways.
1: Yeah, it's just the the long road traveled, right? You get that experience level. So, yeah, Yeah. I think in a nutshell, if you think about fitness or bodybuilding or what have you, it's it's really like that old saying, right? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And it's so true, like it because people really want to make as much progress as they can. And of course, Mm -hmm. that was me as well. And I still am like that. But also realize, you know, now that I've been doing it, you know, for thirty-five, thirty-six, thirty-seven years, is that you can make progress for a very long time. Sure, it may not be super fast as time goes on, but you can still make progress. And if you're enjoying it as you're going through it, that's what matters most. Like if you're not having fun, what's the point of doing it?
0: Yeah. That's true.
1: So, you know, you have to kind of, like I said, just balance things out. And if, like I said, if you think more like from a long term perspective, you know, I think you could find a lot of enjoyment, you
0: know, with that type of approach. And I think ultimately the enjoyment is really what matters because you uh, at the end of your life, you won't remember that physique that you had Fifty years ago, or you will you will have pictures maybe, but you won't remember it as clearly as you will remember the emotions that you felt when you were going through the process of attaining it. And if the emotions were always negative, at the end of your life, you'll be like, dude, what a what a load of years that I wasted on that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, can, I wish I can go back into my twenties if I if I can take the physicality out of my twenties with the brain I have now. Oh, that that would have been a lot better. But, <laughs> I bet. but that's the beauty of going through the experiences like i don't regret the path that i've taken because it's definitely been a little bit of a harder road than mm-hmm. what we see nowadays because just because nowadays you know we have coaching we have the internet we have you know more information more education but i don't regret it because now as a coach those experiences i went through are invaluable
0: yeah so i find the same thing i had a eating disorder so I definitely um, didn't have an easy path with fitness for a while, but it taught me a lot. And now I can emphasize with people who go through um, problems that are much less worrisome than an eating disorder, but they are comparable because they have to do with nutrition, body image, uh, training. And, uh, and they also, that experience made me who I am today. So I, would, I wouldn't be who I am if, it, if I hadn't been through that exactly and i'm sure you you're relating to a lot of people
1: and i think that's what's super important you know as cuz you're obviously a content producer is to be relatable cuz we're all human and so yeah, sometimes sure. i think you know when we're all you know kind of ingrained in the social media world uh, it's not always like a real picture you know so i yeah, think sure. you know, just being able to get on a podcast and expressing yourself being real And sharing stories that are so relatable, it helps people. It lets them know, like, okay, you know, I don't have to be a perfect robot. I'm human. I can be human.
0: I agree. I, I completely agree that with social media, it's so easy to think that everybody is a perfect robot because that's what we put onto the social media platform. And we can forget that it's okay to have negative emotions, bad days, missed workouts, meals that didn't go to plan. Because it's part of the human experience, because we're not AI's.
1: Yeah. Like the name of the game, right? You're not striving for perfection. You're just striving for consistency.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Consistency is never going to be 100%. Yeah, true.
0: But you don't need 100% to make progress.
1: No. If you're hitting 80 or 90, you're still kind
0: of moving forward, right? Yeah. As long as you're moving forward, in my opinion, you're going somewhere. The only way you're not making progress is that if you stand still because you feel that you weren't perfect. Exactly. Yeah. And on that note, I really want to thank you again for your time. And I just want to give you a few minutes as we wrap up to tell people where they can find you um, and uh, essentially plug anything you'd want to plug. And I'll make sure to add all of the links in the show notes to the episode.
1: I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you could go to 3DMuscleJourney.com, 3 Godfather on Instagram and YouTube, Team 3DMJ.
0: Perfect. I'll have all of those links available for the listeners. And on that note, dear listeners, thank you for tuning in. Jeff, thank you for being here. And I'll speak to you next time. As always, if you want to connect with me or with Jeff, please check out the links and resources in the show notes. Thank you once again for tuning in and until next time. Lastly, if you want to support the podcast and help me reach more people, please leave a five-star rating or review on any podcast platform that you're using. Thank you very much for listening and I'll speak to you soon.